0: So we're continuing on. As you can see, uh, this is actually the last week in our uh, standout series, our look at the book of uh, First Peter. Uh, we've been looking at this incredible uh, little book in the New Testament. It's a, uh, a piece that's written. Uh, again, there's, I notice there's a fair number of new people here, so I'm just going to j- just do a brief summary uh, of what we've looked at. Uh, the uh, church in, in Asia Minor, which is the area which we would now call Turkey, uh, was uh, was sort of a, a new growth offshoot of the church in Jerusalem. As, as Jerusalem came under persecution and under under stress, people went up into Asia Minor and, and planted churches there. Uh, a lot of them were planted by Paul, but a lot of them were planted just out of the, the despora, out of the, the breaking apart of the church in Jerusalem. People just fleeing and going and traveling and Uh, natural business connections and all of that and so in Asia Minor what we now call Turkey there were all of these wonderful little churches that were just very very new and as the people were in those spaces and and learning to follow Jesus and learning what that meant and and learning to figure out Uh, what it means to be a Christian in that culture and in that context. They came under quite a lot of fire, quite a lot of struggle. uh, When somebody steps out and and radically changes the way they're living in a culture, culture has a way of trying to sort of shoehorn people back in to make them conform, make them look the same. And Peter is writing to these Christians who are under pressure. Some of them are under the pressure of, uh, you know, political pressure a little bit. Some of them are under pressure from within their families and with their homes uh, to conform uh, Peter's writing to these young Christians to just encourage them and say hey it's okay for you to stand out it's okay for you to be different and and these are some things that that means to you these are some things that that means uh, to you as a people in your culture and so we've talked about a number of things about how that affects our family lives how that affects uh, our, our the way we serve in church how that affects how we handle suffering and, and a whole host of different issues that we've looked at as we've looked in the book. And and as Peter uh, prepares now to end the book, he's giving some final instructions to the churches in Asia Minor, and and what he's talking about is leadership. And boy, doesn't the world uh, cry out for humble leaders, like the one, that's the wrong slide. There we go. Uh, The world is crying out for humble leaders. The world's crying out for for humble leaders, for leaders who will serve, and leaders who will... uh, who will care and who will, who will lead in a way that's, that's faithful. It's one of the ways in which we, as a church, are called to be uh, distinct. We're called to, to lead. And so uh, I'm just going to go through the text and just make some observations about some of the things that Peter was teaching uh, about uh, how we lead and how we follow and how, how community works like that. So let's just say a prayer before we read the text and ask God to, to help us. Uh, Father, um, we love your word. We love your word. We're so grateful. We are so grateful, God, that we have uh, these incredible words preserved over the years. Uh, this incredible counsel, these just letters written from one place to another place, these uh, words of storytelling as they're in the Gospels, this uh, recording of history and story from the New Testament, this whole book. Uh, that is, is really our story, Father. We thank you for it. As we approach this tiny piece of it, God, would you let it enrich us? Would you let it uh, strengthen us? Would you let it transform us? Uh, we, we, we approach it with humility. We acknowledge uh, your power speaking through it. Uh, anything that I say that's not right, that's not of you, would people immediately forget. And everything that's of you, Father, would it go deep and would it, would it touch the heart, God? Uh, Come and meet with us. Come and meet with us, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's just uh, read the text here. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, Not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him Amen. Amen. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. So Peter is writing and he writes uh, to the elders among you. He writes to the elders among you. And so just some observations of that. Who is who is Peter? Writing to all through the New Testament, uh, there are a number of times where it talks about eldership, and Peter, in particular, when he's talking about eldership, uh, is is speaking about it in a little bit of a different tone than we see Paul speaking about it. So I want to make a distinction there. Uh, when Paul talks about eldership, he's often saying uh, the elders appointed, or the elders of the church, or the elders of the. Uh, of the community, the elders with these particular responsibilities, the elders that require these particular conversi- or, uh, these particular uh, elements in their job description, and but when Peter's talking about uh, to the the elders among you, he's he's not necessarily talking about that group. He's talking to that group for sure, but he's talking in a little bit broader way, and, and so I want us to consider this more broadly this this passage here on to the elders among you doesn't just mean uh, to the people who are appointed as leaders in the church it means the people who have a mature understanding the people who have a mature uh, view uh, a person who is mature with seasoned judgment a person with seasoned judgment judgment and so he's talking to a much broader thing and he's actually that word uh, elder in the context he's using it is referring in part to your age and I would say to your age in your relationship with Jesus to your maturity in Christ right he's talking about your maturity in the in, in the journey so who are the elders well the elder is anyone who knows more than you do which in my case is everybody um, and which, which it, for all of us in the church it, is somebody in some areas of our lives, right? There's a, there's a very real way in which uh, uh, what the kind of leadership that, that uh, Peter is talking about is he's speaking to almost everybody in the community in a broad way. Uh, anybody who's leading anybody, anybody who's discipling anybody, anybody who's uh, bringing maturity to another, anyone with certain experience is somebody who's leading uh, another person. So so in that context, he's speaking about it in a very, very broad way. And he says this. He says, I appeal to you as a fellow uh, elder and a witness. Uh, just another note about that phrase, elders among. He's, he's not saying elders over. And he's not saying elders uh, who are in a separate leadership club. And he's not saying elders who are... In, in a given space in the leadership structure of the church. Now I'm an organization guy, I like org church, I like things all neat, but, but I think Peter in this case is talking to a much, much broader group. Uh, so he says this, I appeal to you as a fellow elder, as a co-elder, as an elder with you, and, and as a witness of Christ's sufferings. And as a witness of Christ's suffering, so what are one of the qualifications that are required for you to lead or assist or help or, or, or draw another person to, to, be, to be a leader, to be qualified as an elder? Well, the, the qualification of Peter is to have an experience with Jesus Christ. Peter, Peter cites uh, not the position he's been handed. He, he doesn't cite the fact that Jesus sort of called him aside and said, hey, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. He doesn't uh, cite the fact that he is one of the elders who uh, appointed some deacons. Therefore, if I appointed the deacons, I must be over the deacons in the org chart of the church. Uh, he's not talking about that. He's saying, uh, I, I'm coming to you because I'm a witness to the sufferings of Christ. I'm coming to you because uh, I, I've seen... Uh, Jesus, I, I have an experience with him. And, and so if you as a person uh, have an experience of the suffering of Christ, then what does that mean for us uh, as people? That means that, that you know what it is for Christ to enter into the suffering of another person. You know what it is for Christ to help a person. You know what it is for Christ to, to love a person who's suffering. Uh, you're, you're able to see how Jesus loved sacrificially, and you're able to love sacrificially yourself. One of the qualifications for leadership here is is the ability to love sacrificially as Jesus loved sacrificially, to love uh, pouring your life out for another. So he cites that as, as somebody who's seen it, somebody who knows the story, somebody who gets what Jesus is all about, and who will also share in the glory to be revealed. And what he's talking about there is who has a sense of ownership in the larger Christian story a sense of ownership in the big, broad Christian story. You you get to lead others if you own the story. So when do you start leading in the church? Well, the day after you give your heart to Jesus. The day after you give your heart to Jesus. If you're here and you're a brand new uh, Christian in the church, you've just given your life to him in the last year. If you've given your life to Jesus in the last year, you've been a Christian longer than St. Paul was when he planted his first church. thought. I mean, he had some other training, but, but you've, been, you've, you've known Jesus for longer than Paul did when he, when he planted his first church, right? There's a way in which the call to lead, the call to serve, is a call that comes on every Christian. It's a broad call. Uh, it's, it's a really broad call. And then he goes on to say this, says, uh, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, uh, watching over them shepherds of God's flock that is under your care watching over them. Uh, The the language there is is lovely. It's in the New International Version of the Bible but when we uh, take it apart and we look at what it says in the Greek and looking at uh, an older translation like the New American Standard, that's a more literal translation, we see a picture that looks a little bit more like this. It says be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care watching over them. That's the NIV. Uh, The New American Standard Bible says this, shepherd the flock of God among you exercising oversight. And here's Peter using this exact same word again, among. So so who are the elders? Where are the elders? Are, where are the, the leaders that Peter is talking about in this particular context? Well, they're not the ones in a separate room uh, doing all the decision-making and trying to get everybody else to to follow along and do it. Uh, the elders are the ones who are among the people, who are who are with the people, who are who are gathered in the community. Those are the leaders that, that he's talking about in this case. That word under doesn't appear in, in the Greek text. It says, the shepherd, the flock of God among you, exercising oversight. That, that phrase for exercising oversight is, is with exercised care. And what he means by that, what we see that in, in that in the text, is that uh, overseeing, seeing over, but, behaving in a way that naturally flows from that, behaving in a way that naturally flows from that, it's, it's about action, it's about exercise. So, so oversight doesn't just mean looking and knowing what's going on in a community. It doesn't mean just perceiving, it doesn't mean just discerning, it doesn't mean just judgment, it doesn't just mean awareness, it means living out of that awareness and acting in care in the community. It means living out of that awareness and acting uh, in, in a very natural way to care for those in, in community based on what you see. To, to oversee in this context is with exercised care, with practiced care, like, like lifting weights, you're exercising care in the community. Uh, you're doing it, you're, you're serving, you're loving. And that, uh, that word oversight is escapeo, which means to uh, look on intently, uh, to look on with caring interest, a looking that requires all that that looking naturally leads to, a looking that implies uh, that kind of action. Okay, and then he gives us this. He says, but not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Uh, We don't just lead people, um, lead because people need leaders, but out of how we're being led by Christ. Let's look at it again. Uh, not because you must, but because you were willing, that that language there is is talking about not out of the human part of the equation of leadership, not just out of the human part of the equation of leadership, not out of position, not out of being installed in a place, not out of um, uh, a natural uh, sense of need, not out of uh, the fact that you're maybe slightly older than somebody, not as much out of that, but because Uh, You are willing, as God wants you to be, uh, more literally in the text, it's willingness according to God. It's not willingness according to uh, your own desires. It's willingness according to the desires of God. Willingness according to the call of God. Uh, Leadership for us flows uh, not just out of a a need to lead, not just out of a natural leadership, but it it flows out of a calling. It flows out of what we see and hear from God. We we pour out in the lives of others. We we serve in that way. We don't uh, lead just because people need leaders but out of how we are being led by christ our leadership flows out of an abundance of of a relationship and a faith and a sense of god leading us leadership flows uh, out of that and it's this not uh, pursuing dishonest gain but eager to serve not pursuing dishonest gain, but here it is just a qualification. Uh, we're not in it for ourselves. I, I'm not in it for the Mercedes and my and my private jet. Uh, I, I mean, I keep that secret from you guys. I, I have that, you know, I have that parked somewhere else. Uh, we're we're not in it for for that stuff, are we? Uh, we're not in it for uh, for what we gain out of it, and in particular dishonest gain. And this phrase, dishonest gain. Again, uh, we see that phrase used in the New Testament, but it really means a base desire, not out of a a sense of greed, not out of a sense of a lust, not out of a sense of a a narcissistic thing that causes you to want to draw everything into yourself, right? Uh, Leadership uh, flows out of uh, a sense of of giving away, but eager to serve. And this uh, this word eager is, I, I love this language, it's passion shown in advance of. I really, really like that image for eagerness. Passion shown in advance of. You have a passion for something before it's ever happened. What does that imply? It implies an incredible gift of faith. An incredible gift of faith, that you're you're eager to do the things that God has called you to, you're passionate about it, you don't know how it's going to work out, you don't know how it's going to happen, you don't know what your leadership's going to look like, you don't know if anybody's going to fall, you don't know if you're going to be able to help, you don't know any of that, but you have a passion, an eagerness that happens in advance of actually serving. Uh, Leadership is is filled with faith, it's filled with uh, a sense of of journey, a sense of, of going forward. Uh, Not lording it over those who uh, are entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Again, clearly not leading out of position, but leading. Uh, out of uh, out of a modeling, this is a, this is Jeremy is is a wonderful leader like that. In particular, G- Jeremy really leads with his feet in a in a wonderful way. It's one way Roger described Jeremy's leadership. Is is he's he's done a wonderful wonderful job of of, of leading by by example, of leading by serving, and and, and incredible gift for that. Incredible gift uh, for that. And then it says this. And when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So all of this stuff about laying down ego, laying down ourselves, laying down uh, glory, laying down uh, lordship, laying down all of this stuff uh, as, we, as we seek to lead, right? Laying all of that down. And then at the same time, he, he'll says, but you still get that. In the end, you, you still get that. In the end, you still get uh, to be celebrated. That sounds very unchristian, doesn't it? In a way, that sounds very, uh, very, very odd, doesn't it? Why, why would Peter use this as a motivation for us? We're supposed to be just completely humble and don't care if we ever get or receive anything ever. But the scriptures actually give place uh, for gift and honor and, and joy to be returned to us. It's not, we, we often picture leadership and we often picture uh, the things we're called to as like, oh, I will carry this heavy burden and then I shall die. <laughs> right? But there's a way in which we're lifted up, there's a way in which glory comes, uh, but it's, it's bestowed on us by the heart of God. It, it, it's not wrong for Christians. Uh, to celebrate that, and and it's not wrong for Christians to to receive honor. That that honor will be coming at some time, and it will be coming from the Father. As he says to us, well done, my faithful servant. Well done. Behold my son whom I love. With with you I'm well pleased. With you I'm well pleased. And and we see that in in a number of places uh, in the scriptures, uh, that crown of glory. And it's obviously God's glory. It says, that in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. In the same way, you who are younger. First thing is, in the same way, right? All of this stuff now, Paul or Peter is taking all of this that he's taught about leadership and, and how it works. And now he's saying, now go back and read it again. But in front of it, put those of you who are submitting to leadership. So how do we submit to leadership? eagerly, with passion shown in advance, uh, with, with humility, with uh, an amongness, with, with all of these things we've just talked about, uh, are completely flipped and, and required of those of us who are, who are serving submit yourselves to your elders all of you clothe yourselves with humility to one another because god opposes opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble now we got to see some wonderful uh reversals in leadership at the men's uh work weekend Uh, how many of you were there actually by the way kudos to you i see a few guys who were who were there and i see a few guys who are at home like interaction uh i mean i'm in i'm in pain i used muscles that i haven't used in a little while i'm just telling you that i think right right across here across the shoulders uh dan burt worked me worked me pretty hard uh so i'm the pastor of the church right uh in a a very real way you're all my bosses it's great um but this this work weekend dan burt was absolutely my boss He was absolutely my boss. I I absolutely submitted myself to his leadership. And actually, I absolutely submitted myself to Jake's leadership uh, for the retreat. Jake organized the thing. He put it all together. We're all sitting around the couches. Uh, We hit that awkward moment after we get there on Friday night where it's all uh, sort of quiet. And we're like, okay, crickets, we're done talking. We need something, we need an activity. And who led? Jake led. I didn't lead. Jake led. Jake took up leadership. Uh, when we were doing work on the on the on the buildings, we we're doing some siding. Absolutely, Dan, Bert was my boss, like he was in, in the like his dad used to be. I'm like, oh man, this is terrible. <laughs> no, it was actually really great. And you know what? Uh, Dan was Roger's boss too. Wait, wave at everybody so everybody knows who Roger is. I'm gonna I'm gonna just single out Roger for just a second. Do you know who Do you know who Roger is? He probably doesn't, he is an author, and he probably doesn't want me outing him on this. Again, maybe some of you don't know what he does. But, but Roger is part of the team that's managing the light rail project in Ottawa. The way Roger described it is when that project, a massive multi million dollar project, massive project, how many employees Roger on the whole thing? Over 800 uh, employees on the whole thing, and then trades and, and all kinds of, of workers. Like it's a massive project. When that project started, Roger is one of half a dozen people in the room. And when that project shuts down, Roger's one of half a dozen people in the room. He is a high-level leader of a major, major construction project. But Dan was his boss on Saturday, wasn't he? He worked, you hard. <laughs> he worked <you> darn hard. <laughs> he really did, right? And that's just what kingdom leadership is like. There are all kinds of ways in this community that I need to be led. I'm the pastor, but there are all kinds of ways in which I need to be led. Right? And and you might be a mature Christian, and there's all kinds of ways that you need to be led. Uh, You may have never had a struggle in your marriage. You may have never had that kind of struggle in your life. But somebody else in the community has been through that struggle. Well, you can be led by them. They can be younger than you. They can be older than you. Uh, they can be whatever. But if they've gone through that struggle, if they've seen the sufferings of Christ in that place, in that struggle, they're, they're qualified to lead you. What Peter is trying to do here, and what I'm trying to do here by this sermon, is I'm trying to release leadership on a very broad scale. I'm trying to lead us uh, as a people to not be dependent on a structure. Uh, the structure is absolutely important. As a leader, I i 'm really passionate about our organizational structure and how our teams work and and all of those sort of details of the structure but i 'm talking about a much more broad based way that we all lead each other all the time and we all submit to one another all the time and we do so humbly and graciously. Uh, we submit ourselves to our elders uh, I have elders in lots of areas in this church to whom I'm submitted to, and and I and I have lots of people who would call me an elder in the church, and it, and it is dependent more situationally on the things that we're struggling with and the things that we're we're wrestling with as as Christians. We need to release one another to call out for help, to call out for leadership from one another, and to say, I, I need to submit to some uh, some some wisdom here that some of you have in your lives, and. And I, need, uh, I, need, I am willing to help uh, some of you who are struggling with other things. So, that, so leadership happens uh, organically. It can respond to needs almost immediately. Uh, so that the church is all looking at one another and saying, how do we do this thing together? And not utterly dependent on the structure in every, in every single way. So all of you clothe yourselves with humility to one another. and and I really and that's what makes all of this work right is if if the clothes we wear the way we're perceived as individuals is 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 my outfit is a a humility suit right it's a humility suit I was thinking of wearing a really nice white suit to church actually today but I didn't have one Uh, it's a humility suit isn't it? it it's I, I present myself in a way that that, uh, that I can be approachable and it can be known that I have needs. As a pastor, I often say that. I'm, as a pastor, I want this church to be a place where I can be a person, where I can be led in the community, right? Where, where I can hear wisdom from you. And all of us, we do that. We clothe ourselves with humility so that we create a sense of approachability and a sense of, of mutually needing one another. Uh, We clothe ourselves with humility. Uh, And and here's just one good reason. Peter just sort of sticks that in there. Oh, and by the way, because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Now, do anybody want to be opposed by God? That does not sound like the enemy you want to make, (laughs) right? Does anybody uh, want to receive favor from God? Yeah, I like that category a lot. I like that one a lot more so, so that 's how it works, and this is just a reflection of jesus teaching isn 't it isn't it it's just a reflection of the stuff that Jesus taught really really, really simply. whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted right he he 's a great equalizer he he loves to to organize these things uh, c s Lewis uh, said this about about humility. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's not a a thinking that you're, oh, I'm I'm a terrible worm. I have to switch into worm mode so I can receive some help here. That's That's not really what humility is. Humility is like looking outside yourself and seeing yeah I have I have a need for that other person or or I'm willing to serve that person I'm willing to give myself away so humility is uh, is is taking self out of the equation or, or diminishing self in the equation just a little bit so this says, humble yourself therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time And I just love that image. Uh, When I think of that image, that sense of being uh, humbled under God's mighty hand. Now that's actually the use of the word under. It's actually the use of the word under. And and when I see God's hand over me, I I imagine myself as a person just as as I often do in the morning. uh, When I first hit my desk, I just kneel, uh, sort of put my head in the back of my chair, and, uh, and, uh, and, and I just let there be a sense of God just covering over me with his strength and I think of Jesus uh, standing looking out across Jerusalem uh, before he was crucified and saying oh Jerusalem how I long to gather you as a hen gathers his chicks under its wings to see myself gathered under the mighty hand of God humbled under his hand and I see protection there I see his strength there I see, I see all of that. And you know, uh, as, he, as it said earlier in the text, he, he, he then lifts us up. He then lifts us up, doesn't he? He lifts us up. Now, the problem for us as people as we, as we try to live this way is that, uh, to be honest, we're, we're, we're really scared a lot of the time. How many of you w- would say that you've experienced a fear of being led by someone who wasn't just wasn't a good leader? I- I've experienced that. Right, a lot of us experience that. Uh, sometimes it's it's that direct. Sometimes it's that, that clear. Like, oh man, I don't I don't know if I want to go to this church. I don't know if I want to serve in that. I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to afraid. That uh, that that uh, things won't go well, and, and in many cases, some of us have been. I don't want to lead. I, I, I'm scared. I, I'm I'm I, I'm going to fail. I don't want my life and my my sense of well-being to be tied to uh, that that person, or tied to that ministry, or tied to the the life of the church. I don't know exactly where it's going. In, in many cases, for us, it's a it's a sense of not wanting to relinquish control, isn't it? Uh, we, we try very, very hard to maintain our individuality. We try very, very hard to to maintain our autonomy because uh, we don't want things to affect us because we're just afraid a lot of the time that, uh, that, that things affecting us will, will affect us negatively. We, we all carry this incredible anxiety inside, and this anxiety uh, really can stunt the growth of the church. This anxiety can stunt the growth of the community. There's all kinds of leadership, even in our church, which is which is relatively healthy. Uh, that, that needs to be released and needs to be freed but, but, but in so many cases we' we're just, we're just afraid we're anxious. this might not go the way I hope or my vision might not fit with what's going on. Uh, I don't know if this I don't know if this is, is really going to work. I'm just going to hold back and I'll, I'll stick to myself and, and I don't know'll uh, we'll just we'll just see what happens. I'll, I'll serve in a small way uh, but, but God is calling uh, I think for, for leadership to be released. So how do, how do we deal with that anxiety? How do we deal with that fear? How do we deal with that fear of of losing control? Uh, He answers it in in verse 7. He knows this is what people feel. He says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on him uh, because he cares for you. Now, I love this word, cast. I love this word, cast. You know, when we're anxious, very often... uh, our, our posture is to sort of go into the fetal position and, and to just maybe pray that God could come and calm us and give us peace. And that, that's pretty good. He does that. He, he enters into our suffering. He enters into our struggle. And he gives us peace. But this is a much more uh, active way of dealing with our fears and anxieties, isn't it? This word cast means exactly what it says. It means throw. Throw means throw, take your anxieties, take your fears, and cast them on the Lord. Throw them on the Lord, release them to him uh, with, with passion, with, with eagerness, with, with the decision of the will, the decision of the heart. Push them on the Lord, push them far from you. Lord, you take this anxiety, Lord, you take this fear, I'm not carrying it anymore. I'm not carrying it anymore, and it, it requires faith, and it requires uh, uh, an act of the will. It requires a choice on our part, and, and, and authority is restored to us as people as we cast our, our anxieties, we cast our cares on the Lord, and why can we do that? Because he cares for us. He, he, he does. He holds us in the palm of his hands. He holds us in the palm of his hand. That overseeing, this is the exact same phrase, this overseeing care, this care that uh, requires action, this care, this oversight that leads to action, this oversight that implies doing something is the exact same kind of oversight and care that Jesus has for us. His care for us is not inactive. His care for us is not just an emotion, It's not just a feeling. It absolutely is an emotion. I I think we have to understand God as a God who feels for his people. That's a whole different theological discussion. He's not a great computer in the sky. He's not an administrator in the sky. He's a God who hurts when you hurt. He's a God who, who feels pain when you feel pain. But not only does he feel that, not only does he enter into that with you, but he acts out of it. He acts out of it. His care for you is active. His care for you is living. His care for you uh, uh, makes a difference. And I think just for the sake of time, uh, we won't go on to the, the rest of the text. I think we'll just, we'll just leave that because I think that's just where I want to end is with this real understanding. I want us to know so deeply that, uh, that God will act in your life. The human part of the equation is a part of the equation, but the God part of the equation is a much bigger part of the deal, isn't it? It's a much bigger part of the deal. And if you have a God who loves you, who sees you, who sees your need, who sees how you're leading, and who sees how you're being led, who sees how you're being served, and who sees how you're serving, and he is active and alive in the midst of the community, it's absolutely safe to release leadership. It's absolutely safe to release leadership. It's absolutely safe to say, Oh man, that person's on my heart. I, I've been praying for them. I should call the pastor and, and tell him he should go meet with them. Is that the kind of leadership I'm talking about? That person is hurting. That person's on my heart. I'm going to have coffee with them. I'm going to be their pastor today. I'm hurting. I'm broken. I'm going to call the pastor today. Which one of the 200 people shall I call? That's releasing of leadership and a releasing of servanthood in the community. This is absolutely, again, I absolutely believe in structure, but but in the way we lead one another and the way we serve one another and the way we pastor one another, it's absolutely not a hierarchy. It's an absolute free-for-all. It's an absolute free-for-all. God calls us to lead one another and pastor one another and and to serve. And what makes it safe and what makes it possible is that he cares for every one of you more than we could ever imagine. Let's just stand up together. Father, we're so thankful for leadership. We're so thankful for our leaders, for those who serve in in such incredible ways in our various ministries. We're so thankful for the the people leading Kids Church right now. We're so thankful for our home church leaders. We're so thankful for the sound team. We're so thankful for the media team. We're so thankful for uh, those who pastor and those who care. We're so thankful for for all of those things in the organizational structure, we, we know that you've, uh, you help us with that. We know that you help us design that. You know that you call people into it, Father. But, but we pray, Father, you will release uh, leadership on every single level of this organization, every single level of this family today. Would you cause us to have eyes that see out over the community and see needs and, and hearts that see who we can lead and who we can serve. Would you cause us to look out at this wealth of knowledge, this wealth of experience with Christ, and say, who can I talk to to, to lead me, to help me through this? Who who can be my leader in this moment? Would you set us free to care for one another in, in all the nooks and crannies of life, in parking lots, in coffee times, in coffee shops and workplaces. Would you release uh, leaders, Father? Release leaders. Release care. Uh, we, we do that all cry, while we're crying out uh, for your care and, and trusting that we are all under your mighty, mighty hand. You are a mighty God. You are so able to care for us. We celebrate you. We love you, God. We're so thankful. We're so thankful we give this, this church to you. We give this community to you. Would you cause uh, at all the edges of the community for there to be people pastored and cared for and led in it uh, who, who aren't around regularly or maybe you've never darkened the door of our church? Would they, would they feel like they're part of it? Would they feel pastored? Would they feel cared for? Uh, release leadership and release servanthood in in a brand new way among us, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. No altar call for this one. The response is in a coffee shop. That's where the altar call happens.